State Farm Insurance knows that understanding and investing in our cultural identity is paramount in protecting our future. We know what it's like to go from nothing to something to wish that we had better financial literacy when we were younger. Luckily, State Farm is here to help with funding programs like Project Ready, which is committed to education achievement and has already awarded over $11 million in scholarship offers to black and brown youth since 2021. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Celebrate your magic in the middle of life's messes. Hot, happy mess. I'm Zuri Hall, and this is Hot, Hot Happy, happy Mess. Oh, shoot. <laughs> happy, happy Monday. Hey, okay, I'll stop. Welcome back to Hot Happy Mess. I am Zuri Hall. I am your host. I am so grateful that you are tuning in to another episode. Uh, the Happy Gems event was amazing. Thank you all so much to everyone who showed up and supported. This was the first of many, many, many virtual events and hopefully in real life events that I will be a part of soon. So thank you for everyone who came out, quote unquote, meaning logged on to your Wi-Fi connection and picked up some gems that were dropped. Um, y'all are asking about Lola. The puppy is great. She pooped for the first time in the spot she was supposed to, which is the little AstroTurf that I bought for her because they don't have a ton of livable yard space yet. And she still needs some shots and some socialization before she can go to the park. Um, so I was so proud of her because y'all, she was like pooping in the crate. And I'm like, uh-uh, they told me that she wouldn't poop where she sleeps, but she is like, F that, I do what I want which is how I know she's my kind of girl. She's the one. Um, so she's growing and she's cute. And yes, she has her own Instagram now because I'm that person. So if you want to follow the journeys and adventures of Lola Jolie Hall, then you can follow her at Little Lola Jolie. And Lola actually means fun, but kind of not fun fact. It's short for Dolores, which stands for sorrows, apparently in Spanish, or like that name means sorrows, but I kind of like it in the sense of um, she is a, a reprieve from sorrow. She is the beautiful and the pretty in the middle of the sorrows that come and go in life, right? Three snaps, light some incense. Anyways, her name is Lola and I love her. Um, stay tuned for more updates. 
As you may know, like we've said, July is BIPOC Mental Awareness Month. So I thought it fitting that our next two episodes in the wellness series talk about anxiety. Yep, we've got a two-parter for y'all, one dropping this week with our awesome expert. And next week, we have a real woman story that will, honest to God, you're going to reach for a tissue because I was about to reach for a tissue. She was about to reach for a tissue because you're either crying or snorting with laughter and maybe a little bit of both. This was one of those combos, which are my favorite kind of combos. So stay tuned for that. That's coming next week. But um, today, in our first segment on anxiety, we're going to talk to an anxiety expert who's breaking down how you can identify anxiety, how you can manage it and cope and slay the dragon that is anxiety. Because it's so it sounds so overwhelming, right, sometimes to... um to get a hold on if you don't necessarily have the resources or the tools or their stigma around admitting that you're struggling with it. But we all struggle with it. I have certainly struggled with it. I've had way more anxious moments since the the pandemic, I think, kind of triggered them to where I was feeling it more. But the anxiety creeps in for sometimes no reason at all, right? Which you don't really need a reason to experience it. I'm going to talk about one of my experiences or two particularly um that happened last year when it came to um, increases in anxiety on my end and my first ever panic attack, which was really, really scary um, and something that was new for me. I'd gone my entire life without experiencing one and then suddenly I did. So I'm going to talk about that soon. But before we get into the intricacies of anxiety, I also that sounds like it's a fun thing, but hey, let's make it fun, right? Let's make talking about it fun. But before we do it, I want to share my new favorite hobby, which is reading reviews from iTunes, obviously. At JMC underscore 0808 says, good stuff, seriously. I randomly found this podcast and haven't stopped listening since. It's great to hear someone so relatable touch on all angles of life. I needed this podcast and didn't even know it. My ears are pleased. Thank you, and I look forward to watching your platform grow. Thank you, JMC0808. I appreciate the review. You listening, you, you gorgeous human. Yep, you. Just a quick reminder, you can leave a review on iTunes. It's a free and easy way to support Hot Happy Mess, and it shows the powers that be that you're vibing with what we are creating here, and it helps us grow. So if you want to leave a review, just go to Apple Podcasts, type in Hot Happy Mess, scroll down, and boom, bada bing, bada boom, five stars and a sentence or two. Cool? Cool. I love you. All right, it's time to dive into our anxiety episode. So this is our expert, Dr. Alicia Hodge. Dr. Alicia is a licensed clinical psychologist specializing in the treatment of anxiety-related disorders. She has significant experience in helping women to shift their perspectives, which has changed their lives. Dr. Alicia received her doctorate and master's degree in clinical psychology from the University of Hartford. She also holds a master's degree in counseling psychology from Bowie State University, and her mission and work centers around assisting people to overcome limiting beliefs in order to reach their goals. Dr. Alicia, hi, how are you? Hi, thank you for having me. Of course. I'm, I'm so grateful that you're sharing your time and your expertise with us today. Anxiety is um, becoming a hot topic when it comes to public mm-hmm. conversation. I feel like in recent years, mental health has certainly uh, permeated the mainstream combo yep. in a way that is so overdue. Um, and anxiety 
is something I think even more of us can relate to coming out of maybe out of this pandemic that we've all Mm -hmm. been in. Um, That was actually the first time that I experienced a panic attack in my life was towards the start of it. So um, I would love for you to just kind of dive in before we get into the nitty gritty of that Mm -hmm. uh, with how you got into your work and and what exactly you do in your own words. Yeah. So um Speaking off of what you said, I think anxiety is a very common experience and a lot of people are empathizing with it a lot more, um, like you said, as we move into whatever phase this is of the pandemic. And so um, I'm a clinical psychologist, which means that I do therapy with people um, on a one-on-one basis. I help people sort of identify what their anxiety is. But the biggest thing that I do is that I help people overcome it by breaking it down into small digestible pieces because anxiety does this thing where it tells you something really bad is happening and that you don't know what to do about it. So I help equip people with the what to do so that they can kind of overcome those moments or those thoughts. Um, And I really help people overall change their perspective on a situation because the reality of it is, is we may not be able to change what's outside of us, but if we change on the inside things look a lot different. Yeah. And and to your point about changing on the inside, this series that we're kicking off right now is all about wellness from the inside out, uh, the emotional, the physical, building community, spirituality, the mental, obviously. Um, mm-hmm. So before we touch very deeply on anxiety, what does wellness um, in a very sort of broad sense mean for you? Yeah. So to me, wellness means um, feeling comfortable in your own space and moving in a manner um, that your lifestyle feels good to you and it feels aligned. So oftentimes, um, you know, I approach that on a thoughts level. Like, are there certain rules that you have for yourself? Are you living in a way that feels out of sync with what you really desire? Um, But I think wellness is the pursuit of making that making sure that your life is aligned with your goals and your values and comfortable in a way that you can enjoy and be fulfilled on most days. Yeah. Yeah. When it comes to um, dealing with anxiety, you touched a little bit on kind of what it is or what that alarm system does for us and what it's telling us. What are some signs that we might recognize that say, oh, we might be feeling a little anxious versus a lot anxious? At what point is it concerning instead of just kind of common? Yeah. So as I said before, we've all experienced anxiety, whether that's like you got called on in class and you didn't know the answer or you heard a noise in the dark and you were like, oh, what's that? <laughs> about to go down. Uh, <laughs> right. Exactly. And so anxiety in this classic presentation is like the heart rate, um, rapid heart rate, your um, stomach hurting and an inability to sleep. The worry is what most people identify with, like just having a lot of thoughts and concerns. Um, and so it may exist on a small level for all of us, but when we should be concerned is when it starts to impact us, like I'm really not sleeping, I'm having trouble at work, it's messing up my relationships, um, and I just can't seem to turn this off. I'm very tense. Mm-hmm. General anxiety disorder is that a little bit different than maybe a situational experience? Yeah. So generalized anxiety disorder is like a formal diagnosis in which someone is typically worried about and concerned about multiple things in their life out of proportion to the actual situation. So it can be something as small as like, oh, we're going on a trip. And then I'm thinking like, oh my gosh, what if the plane crashes? I can't go. I'm going to change my flight. Like really sort of reacting in a way that does not, you know, I hate to say realistic, but it's not quite realistic or reality based um, versus 
maybe situational um, could be something like having a panic attack, thinking really scary things or feeling overwhelmed. Mm -hmm. Um, Or it can be, like I said before, like I'm in a car and a car runs a stop sign and like I slam on the brakes. Like that's a moment of like situational anxiety. Okay. So you kind of broke down situational versus a general anxiety disorder. Um, In our society, people are so pushed to be Mm hyperproductive. Like that is like, I was a, product of that like I prided myself in my 20s on just running myself ragged being exhausted constantly being stressed and finding a way to just make it happen anyway around 28 I was just like yeah Yeah. I'm just done (laughs) I have nothing to prove to anybody I'm exhausted this is not cute Um, and even recently I'm starting to feel myself really uh, get a little bit all over the place Mm -hmm. and I'm starting to run on fumes and so I've learned enough to know that that's when I need to do a check-in with myself and and kind of remedy that but it's so much easier said than done. Oh, because yeah. Because sometimes I'm like, I need to go back and listen to episodes of Hot Happy Best because I need to get my life together right yep. now. When it comes to anxiety, um, what do you say about what our body is trying to tell us when we're stressed, maybe losing weight? Mm-hmm. Um, how does that manifest physically? Yeah. And you know what? It's interesting that you say that because a lot of times I do have people come to me who are like, I've been to doctors you know, I've been having headaches, sleep problems, stomach problems. And, you know, the doctors are saying there's nothing wrong. They're saying I'm anxious. Oftentimes our body is trying to talk to us and tell us something, but we maybe don't want to accept the stressors and the worries. So we push them to the side and we keep going. Like you said, we keep pushing, we keep working hard and then it becomes a buildup. And sometimes, you know, for some people it comes to a peak at which we're incredibly overwhelmed and burnt out. And then we have to stop everything we're doing. So I really tell people similar to what you were saying to try to slow down and check in with themselves and ask like, am I worrying about things that I can't control? Am I putting excessive effort into um, spaces or places, even people that maybe don't require that much of me? Mm. And what happens when we ask ourselves those questions and the answer is yes, I'm pouring too much into this or that. Um, How do you recommend people navigate remedying (laughs) their anxiety? Well, you know, so anxiety can be a result of stuff. So I think what we're really speaking about is boundaries and this idea Mm -hmm. of like, what do I need? How do I take care of myself? And how do I make myself a priority? A lot of times people worry about like being selfish or um, kind of these own personal myths of like, I should come last. But I think in reality, if we consider ourselves a priority and investment, what you get from that is is well beyond, you know, the energy and time you pour into other people. But it can be hard to come to that place. But remind yourself, like, I can't control other people. I can only control myself. Right, right. The the feelings that, you know, we all have experienced when it comes to anxiety, those are obviously commonplace, but there are times when it is extreme or when, you know, you might need a little bit more help than the average person dealing with anxiety. What are some of the warning signs that there might be something more going on where we might think it's one thing, but hey, you might actually have an anxiety disorder? Yeah. So I would say that that's when you start looking at the persistence and the duration. Was this kind of limited, like, oh, I was applying to grad school and I was really stressed out for a month or two? Or is it like, you know what, as far as I can remember back, I've consistently been worried about things. I've consistently like really struggled with losing my sleep, endless amounts of thoughts. That might be a time where, I mean, 
Of course, I'm going to recommend reaching out to a therapist, but there's lots of other avenues, self-help books, tips, podcasts, things that you can sort of check in and ask yourself like, mm, does this start, is this feeling unmanageable? And if, if it is, there are resources. Anxiety is something that's very treatable. I often tell people like, mm-hmm. I know you may feel, I'll put this in quotes, crazy, but the reality of it is that this is something that's actually very treatable. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad you brought up therapy because that was my next sort of follow up question is when should we seek a therapist? Is, is there a certain point or is it just I don't know how to handle this on my own anymore? Like however extreme or minimal, quote unquote, yeah. that is. So I'm a fan of whenever you don't feel like yourself, whatever that means for you, it mm-hmm. doesn't hurt to consult with a therapist because they're going to at least be able to give you their professional perspective. They may say like, oh, you know, therapy is an appropriate space for you. Or they'll say, you know what, you actually might not need therapy. So it's just helpful to have that reference point. Right, right. Um, Can you break down, this is a bit of a curveball, but Mm -hmm. this just came into my mind because I think it's important and it's not talked about a lot. And I want to, and we will dive into this more in this series, but prescription meds Mm -hmm. around anxiety and and these other struggles that we have, these other mental health struggles. What are the sort of go-to meds that we may be familiar with? You know, you hear people like the crazy part is no pun intended, but you hear like in these songs and raps and Drake's like pop half a Zan out like like, whatever. And I was like, what is he talking about? And then I was like, Oh, Xanax. (laughs) And it's like, we have these references to these drugs that are more pop culture specific Mm -hmm. Instead of like, hey, this is what this thing can do for you. This is how to use it properly. For the longest, I'm not going to lie. I thought Xanax was just like a sleeping pill. Right. Like it's just assuming I would, it took, I had to realize through actually um, learning about and exploring mental health, what some of these drugs are actually supposed to be used for, as opposed to how people are recreationally using them or talking about them. Yes. And I think when you think of like pop culture, there's a lot of references to drugs that kind of like mellow you out and take you down. For example, like Xanax Mm -hmm. and anxiety related drugs. Um, So I'm not a psychiatrist, I will say. So this is not my Mm -hmm. formal area of expertise. This is not medical advice. It's not medical advice, guys. Um, Do not. (laughs) But ideally, um, you know, in the category people say like benzos, benzodiazepines, it sort of emphasizes our body's natural way to um, reduce anxiety and like inhibit those responses. And so anxiety drugs actually work very well. And as you can imagine, I'm a psychologist, so I value talk therapy, but there are situations in which people benefit from using both because the Mm -hmm. reality of prescription drugs is they're meant to get you to a place where you can take a step back and start to practice skills because sometimes people's anxiety is so high that it's crippling that they can't even slow down enough to think through a situation. Mm Right. And that's that's a resource mm-hmm. that potentially, obviously, with the, the guidance mm-hmm. of a doctor might be a resource yep. for someone. Yep. Okay. Um, we have a few listener questions okay. that were submitted. And one of them comes from at Mavis the Panda. She says, I've heard that pain is an anxiety symptom. Is that true? And I'm assuming Mavis is talking about physical pain manifesting as a warning sign about anxiety. Is that Something. Yeah. So I guess pain is probably a subjective thing. Um, I think people can have 
they're called psychosomatic symptoms, meaning like you may have an emotional basis and you have a physical response. So um, I don't know if I would put it in the pain category, but people do have physical feelings and symptoms related to their anxiety or even maybe have a warning sign like my hands are tingling. Um, I feel mm-hmm. like I'm floating away out of my body like that can be related to anxiety. Um, I don't know about pain okay. specifically, but there may be some people who have that type of experience. Okay, got it. Uh, she has another question okay. um, that that says, can you explain that? And I have, I am so curious as to the answer because I'm not entirely sure what the question means because I'm just not familiar mm-hmm. with this, this end of the spectrum. Mm-hmm. But uh, she asks, can you explain the catastrophic part of the spectrum when memory is affected? I think we need more awareness of this topic. Yes. So I don't know entirely what she's asking, but when she says catastrophic portion, the first thing that I thought of at least was um, maybe catastrophic anxiety. So anxiety at its Mm. peak is a lot of things like panic attacks and like very, very scary thoughts. And oftentimes they can sometimes feel just like overwhelming and delusional because people around you are like, what are you worrying about? Like, why are you thinking that? Um, But one of the key ways that people think when they have anxiety is catastrophically, which means I'm thinking of the worst case scenario and what happens for better or worse when our brains imagine a really terrible situation, we have the related emotions. So if I imagine losing my job, I can be just as upset as losing my job. And so when people are kind of dealing with a lot of anxiety, they're actually dealing with a lot of painful emotion because they're Mm -hmm. kind of living through these experiences and taking them as real. Okay. Got it. Um, It's so interesting that you bring that up because I've certainly like I have, you know, I've had close friends um, who have dealt with that sort of anxiety, extreme Mm -hmm. anxiety, you know, and before I really understood it, I was the person who was like, okay, well, that's not going to happen. So just like keep it moving. And they're like, you don't understand it might. <laughs> There's like a 0.0005% chance. Mm-hmm. And I'm just going to lean into that. And initially, you know, like you 20, hindsight's 2020, you know, I at least kind of felt like it was ridiculous until I realized just how deep it is. And it's like, nobody wants to feel that yeah. way. Nobody wants to be stuck in their head. And I've felt that since then, right? Which helps you have more compassion mm-hmm. For other people's experiences and their um, their realities and their truths, and I would love if you could give some advice to friends, to partners, to children, to parents of someone, companions of someone yes. who is dealing with anxiety. How do we have more compassion and empathy and grace for someone who might be dealing with extreme anxiety? Yeah, you know, one thing that I typically tell people um, who are supporting another person is that. Um, imagine that it's all about perspective. So just like you said with your friend, you're leaning on the side of like, there's a 95% chance this won't happen. And they're zoomed in on the like, but there's a 5% chance it might. So one thing can be to try to have empathy to either adopt their perspective and at least just pause and imagine like how that must feel. Because sometimes that's what people need for you to understand. Like, no, I know this doesn't sound logical, but think about how I feel. But also... You can be that person's coach. So instead of sort of giving them the opposite, like, oh, just brush that off. It doesn't matter to say like, oh, but have you thought through what else might happen? Like, yes, your car might crash, but it also might go really well. Have you considered that in a non-judgmental way, but like in an encouraging way? Like, here, let me help you think about this differently. Um, But realizing that when people are anxious, they're activated at the same level as if they're in danger. 
So it's a fear response. They're trying to protect themselves. So it's not helpful when we say like, oh, just calm down. Because imagine if, you know, we were out and we saw an animal. If someone else told us to calm down, like we would we would be like, get out of here. Like, I can't. Right. So that's essential. If the house was on fire and somebody told me to chill out. It's like you listen to the 911 calls back yeah. and I get so mad. And I'm like... Her, whatever is happening to her is happening to her. Like, no, she can't exactly. calm down. Like, I need you to exactly <laughs> have some empathy for whatever is going on in that household that they even needed to call. Yeah. Me. And so essentially realizing that you're there to support them at, at their like peak time is not mm. so much about solving the problem. It's about just helping them take a step back and calm down if they can. State Farm Insurance gets it. Representation alone doesn't equate to authenticity. State Farm understands and wants to help protect our communities by investing in our future, building off the hard work our parents have done before us. We all are looking to create generational wealth so that our families and generations behind us have a better starting point than we did. That begins with financial literacy. State Farm helps fund programs like Project Ready, a National Urban League program committed to the educational achievement of black and brown youth. To date, participants have been awarded over $11 million in scholarships offers as a direct result of contributions from State Farm. At Eating Walbroke, we hear inspiring rags to riches stories on each episode from our guests, but with State Farm, you can begin to write your own success story. State Farm believes that being better neighbors creates better communities and have a long-lasting impact. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're looking for the most epic place on Earth, let's start at the base of a massive waterfall. Then trek through the thick jungle. Then climb to the peak of a snowy mountaintop. Then once you get there, keep going. Because with intelligent 4x4 and 7 drive modes and a Nissan Pathfinder, the search is the real adventure. Available feature. Intelligent 4x4 cannot prevent collisions or provide enhanced traction in all conditions. Always monitor traffic and weather conditions. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. I love to ask for scripts mm-hmm. or like ideal or proposed questions or phrasing to like get it right. Because I have certainly gotten it wrong mm-hmm. in trying to show support. And then I've just made it worse. And then I'm freaking out. Now we're both freaking out because I'm trying to help, but I'm, I'm just making it worse. Are there any scripts when it comes to navigating someone at peak anxious level where they're not really down to earth right now? They're beyond. Mm-hmm. You try, you're trying to get them back. Obviously, reminding them that the opposite could be true is going to instigate the, the situation. What could we say to recommend that they, I don't know, take a break, yeah. or a breather? How do we, how do we help someone sort of self-regulate? I think some of it can be like helping them notice, like you seem, they may know this too, but like you seem really anxious right now. The reason why I say that is because it helps them separate themselves from the anxiety. Like the anxiety is doing this to you. This is not what you want. This is not even what you want to think. So like, what can we say back to the anxiety? Like if I was the anxiety standing here telling you this thing, like what could you say back to me? So it kind of diffuses 
this idea of like, this is all you, you're stuck in this loop. I'm here to kind of like talk back to that voice and coach you out of it. But some, like, honestly, something simple could be like, what do you need? What do you need me to do? Because they may have an answer for you. Yeah, that was, if that wasn't my get out of jail free card this last year, that's that's my girl. I'm like, you just tell me what you need. need? And that's what I'm going to do and say. Okay, I like that. Um, You know, we talked a little bit about pop culture and and that intersection between that space and um, some of the medications Mm -hmm. to to help with with mental health. Uh, When it comes to mainstream society, there are a lot of words and terms that I think get thrown around these days, right? You're a narcissist. Yes. Oh my God, this relationship is toxic. I am literally having a panic attack when you are not literally having a panic attack. Um, Do you think that our society kind of throws these words around willy nilly? And um, if so, why should we be more intentional? And what are some ways that we can do that? So there there's always a double edged sword. I love that we're talking about mental health more. I love that people are identifying with different um, disorders and how they are sharing that they have it. But with that comes, like you said, this overgeneralization of like, oh, I'm having a panic attack or oh, I have anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to be intentional and mindful of your language just to say like, I'm feeling really anxious or like this seems like I'm having a panic attack. And I know that that seems like I said the same thing, but words really matter in the nuances of it. Yeah. And so just being careful to, to equate it the same way to physical health. Like you wouldn't say something like, Oh, my arm hurts. You know, I have cancer, so to speak. And ultimately just realizing like, I'm having a tough moment and hopefully you can tap into that and say like, wow, this must be really hard for people who live this experience every day. Mm-hmm. I, I love that perspective. It's so true. You know, it just kind of like not toning down, but like just being really specific and intentional with what you're expressing. Mm-hmm. Like, is that person a narcissist or do you feel that they're just being really selfish in this exactly. moment? Exactly. Because those are two very different things. <laughs> very different. <laughs> Yeah. Um, we just ended our career in finance series. And one of the common themes that popped up in our conversations was feeling anxious in social situations, mm. which is honestly something I relate to that people are always surprised to learn. I'm not mm. actually a true extrovert. Okay. I'm very much in the middle. I have to recharge by myself for like five days after all of the interactions. And I love it about myself. It took a long time to embrace that. But I only say it to say I very much relate to those who say, this doesn't feel good to me. I'd rather disappear. I'm uncomfortable Uh and I'm spiraling and whatever else it is when you're networking and doing these things. Um, So I'd love if you could just speak a little bit to that when it comes to social situations, Uh social anxiety, spiraling and overthinking. Do you have any hacks to navigate public situations while you feel like you're having a little personal mini crisis with the anxiety? I think some of it is just gentle reassurances, meaning like, even in something small, like a conversation, right? There's an awkward silence or a pause. And then people walk away from it like, oh my gosh, that was terrible. And they probably think all these things about me. But I even bring to people's attention, like there would be no phrase awkward silence if they never happened. So like Mm. sometimes these moments are natural and you have to remind yourself, I'm overthinking right now. I'm just worried because that was a networking event and it's really important to my career. Like zooming in on what is it that I'm actually worried about versus letting your anxiety like permeate to random things like, oh, my shirt, it was it was because of this or they looked at me funny. What did that mean? But kind of just checking in and being like, hold on, let me just calm down for a second. 
I was just a little bit nervous. I wanted to make a good impression. Did I do my best? Did I say, you know, what I needed to say? And if you can sort of check off those boxes, hopefully you can kind of like put some of those worries aside to say, I showed up, I did my best and that's what mattered. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, another one of our listeners at jray 9 says, how do you quiet down anxiety when there are so many things happening in the world? Um, I'd be curious to know, yeah, do you have any tangible tips for me? It's meditation. Mm-hmm. I stay with a meditation app, whether it's a five minute or a 10 minute. Um, sometimes I'll, I'll, I don't know how. Oh yeah. That's called grounding. Verbally. Gr- yeah. Okay. Grounding. Mm-hmm. I do that with my fingers. Y'all can't see it, but I, I'm, <laughs> alternating my fingers between pressing with my thumb. Um, what do you recommend to kind of just in the moment, help someone kind of come down a little bit from an anxious yes. feeling? So of course, as a therapist, I highly recommend breathing. Um, and I tell people practice breathing before you're in the moment because it's like muscle memory. Most people who are super anxious and just like try to breathe for the first time, they're not actually doing it. And they believe like it's Mm -hmm. not working. And I'm like, Oh, you weren't doing it right. So Mm -hmm. having a daily practice of just deep breathing. um, What does that mean? Like what, break it down for us. So intentional. So this can be when you wake up, it can be at lunchtime. It literally does not matter. But when you're breathing, you need to make sure that you're expanding your diaphragm. So it's almost like filling your stomach with air, not your chest. So doing that um, at least for like three minutes can just be a nice reset for your body and a calming thing. And it helps you actually think more clearly. You get more oxygen to your brain. Um, Mm -hmm. What you mentioned before, part of grounding is using your five senses. So it can be like tapping your fingers together, rubbing the fabric of your clothes, looking around the room. The idea is that you want to try to stay in the moment and be present because that's what Fighting anxiety is about not being taken out of the moment and going fast forward into the future. It's about Mm -hmm. staying here, which is why meditating is great. Yoga, all of those things that focus on like bringing your your mind to the center and not allowing all of those like extra thoughts that pop in. You don't give energy to them. It's not that they don't exist. You can't rid yourself of like anxious thoughts or feelings, but you can manage your response to them. Yeah. There's something you said there that really resonated with me, which is um, anxiety fast forwarding into the future instead of being present. And I mean, that's really what Happy Mess is all about is embracing our magic in the middle of life's messes, not waiting for tomorrow to live. All we have is now, like, let's be in this. Um, Social media is one of those things that I just think is such a trigger for so many people, myself included sometimes, where we're not in control of what we end up seeing really Mm -hmm. we can decide who to follow or who not but the more these algorithms take over their things are popping up I'm like I don't even follow this person why am I seeing them in my feed these ads all of this stuff I would love to hear your perspective on social media and the role you think it plays or maybe not uh when it comes to our mental health I think that social media has a strong influence on um our mental wellness of course I think that Um, This is said often, but I'll just repeat it, that we're seeing highlight reels. We're seeing curated pictures and happiness and celebrations in a way that is not always authentic. And so it's important to realize that, like like you said, I would encourage people to fill their feet with as, as much positivity and authenticity as possible. But if they have those moments where they really feel like I'm consuming a lot of things or this is bringing up my insecurities, you can put it down. And I know that the way the social media is made is that it is meant to grab you, to put you down the rabbit hole. <laughs> They've got us trapped, Dr. <laughs> right. Alicia. But using <laughs> like small 
things like putting a timer on your apps or checking in on like, I'm not going to use this more than 20 minutes because the reality of it is, is that what we consume becomes a part of our thought life. Mm -hmm. And the reality of it is, is that thoughts genuinely make us who we are. So I'm always encouraging people to have as much, as many positive and uplifting thoughts as possible. Mm -hmm. Um, But also like there's, I use Instagram all the time. There's a lot of humor on Instagram. There's a lot of fun. Like it doesn't have to be like serious, only Zen stuff only, Mm -hmm. Um, but just kind of reminding yourself like this is, this is a little bit of scripted reality. This is not exactly what's going on for everybody in every moment. Right, right. Really great advice. Um, We talked a little bit about the pandemic and how that was certainly a triggering event for Mm -hmm. so many people. Um, The the added layer, particularly of being Black in America during that global pandemic, was we were doing double duty when it came to managing our feelings, our anxieties. Um, And an aspect that I love to touch on just a little bit, you know, some people call it trauma porn, but essentially the exploitation of Black pain and people of color's pain, um, which has spiraled significantly in in the last year and in recent years um, from responsible journalism, which is one Mm -hmm. thing. And so necessary into clicks and views to maximize outrage or responses or whatever. It kind of feels inescapable sometimes. Um, I I hesitate to use the word because I don't want to misuse it, but would you call what, what some of us are experiencing or have experienced at this point PTSD when it comes to watching. And when I say us, I mean black people specifically or people of color. Um, What would you call those feelings that are associated Um, with the trauma of of internalizing violence against our own people? So to be honest, the term is actually usually cultural trauma. And so Mm, like there's cultural trauma that we've endured by watching these videos, by seeing these things and knowing that they specifically apply to us and that we are in danger. And that's not to say that someone could not have watched these videos and developed PTSD because that is actually a possibility. Um, But cultural trauma, I think, is a nice umbrella for like what we viewed Mm. and what we may feel when we watch and consume some of these things. What was it like for you navigating 2020 specifically around the times of peak Black Lives Matter, George Floyd, that summer of just honestly pure pain? Yeah. Yeah. Even as you were asking me, like I felt my chest get tight. Like it was stressful. It was so stressful. And I'm a psychologist, right? I know all the things. I know all the tips. And it was still a real struggle for me every day. Some days I literally had to just disconnect and, uh, and healthily avoid the news, updates, information. Um, I leaned a lot on my support systems, which were just where other friends and family to like vent and process and talk about it. Um, And the reality of it is, is that there is not one fix. Like, I just want to emphasize that it's not about ignoring it only. It's not about trying to only stay positive. It's a really difficult step-by-step daily process um, to kind of know that because of who you are, you may be in danger. Mm. What, and again, going back to my scripts, I love a script. Um, what would you recommend we say to, you know, we've all got the one family member or the friend who's constantly messaging us on Facebook with these links of videos we don't want to see or sending us these articles of triggering news events or, or divisive politics that we just don't want to engage in. And what I really, if you were to talk about what makes people anxious, what makes me anxious is when people assume that just because I am technically free, yeah. I'm available. Yeah. 
Like, I might not be available to what it is you want me to show up for right now. Like, if it's interpersonal, that's one thing. But it's, did you see the video? Did you watch the article? Did you whatever? And sometimes I just don't want to. And I never want to. I want to never engage with this content you're sending. How do we say that in a non-combative way, in a way that's gentle to people we care about, but want to kind of set a boundary Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. when it comes to content that we don't want to engage with? Yeah. I think, um, you know, of course, depending on the relationship, the hope is that this person has empathy and compassion for you and that you can openly say like you know what this type of stuff does x to me so i'm just not going to be able to watch it i may come back to it later but right now i'm at my limit i'm at my capacity i'm at the threshold i cannot watch read or consume any of this stuff like hopefully you understand nothing personal um but the reality of it is is that even if they are saying like oh it's just a video it doesn't matter you're allowed to then just say like okay well (laughs) clearly this is not up for dialogue and i'm just not gonna watch it Mm -hmm. and if it's just a video then you won't take offense that i don't watch just a video (laughs) (laughs) before i let you go i know you have virtual workshops and groups um i'd love if you could just share with our listeners uh what you do what you offer and then also any other resources apps books for our listeners who might be wanting to get a jump start on tackling um their minor anxieties or maybe something a little bit more significant yeah so i offer individual therapy um for people who are looking to either improve themselves who maybe aren't feeling like themselves. Of course, as I said, my specialty is anxiety. I I see a lot of um, high power professional working women who have been trying to navigate the pandemic come to me and say, like, I want to put down some of these balls I've been juggling. I just don't know how some of these worries I've been having. Um, I offer that also in a group setting. So because as therapists, we're bound to certain states that we're licensed in. I also just develop workshops and groups for people who are noticing, like, I want to come out of this high performing cycle, like you were talking about, to the point where I burn out and then I rest a little bit and then I get back on the wheel. Um, so I call that anxiety boot camp and I run that. Oh, wait, let me, let me go sign up. <laughs> <laughs> <sounds> like me. <laughs> yeah. So I run that group every other month. And then I also do like one-time workshops and presentations for people if they're interested in public speaking. Um, And then as far as resources, um, podcasts like your own, like I tell people jump into as many podcasts as possible, get tips um, because they're like easily digestible. The idea is that you don't need all the information in the world. You just need to find what works for you and what sticks. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, in terms of books, there's actually a new book that kind of relates to what you were talking about. It's called Set Boundaries, Find Peace. And it's by a colleague of mine. Um, Her name is uh, Nidra. Nedra? Yes. Yes, we love her. She was um, my first ever guest. Episode number one. I actually made her book our party trick of the the week uh, a few months back when it first released. So absolutely. Yeah, her book is amazing. And I think that... Um, a lot of times we have a lot of anxiety in our lives about our relationships. So that book right mm-hmm. there, I've recommended it to everyone that I work with, actually. Great, great, great. Yes, highly recommended, y'all. Y'all know, I've been telling y'all, go get that book. If you haven't got it now, this is your sign. You need to get the book. Um, you mentioned your workshops and your groups. Where can people find you to reach out if they want to move forward with Yeah, them? so you can find me hanging out on Instagram almost every day or any other social media platform, to be honest. Um, my handle is Help Me Hodge. So that's H E L P 
M-E-H-O-D-G-E. But my website, if you want to talk to me about just more formal obligations, is www.slayyouranxiety.com. Dr. Alicia, thank you so much for your time. This is such a great conversation. I know a lot of people are going to have some takeaways, myself included. So I appreciate you. Oh, thank you. I had so much fun. Happy. Thank you again to Dr. Alicia for joining me on Hot Happy Mess this week. Remember, come back next Monday for part two of our anxiety episode. I promise. In all seriousness, you don't want to miss this. I was already looking forward to chatting with her. Her name is LaToya. Um, just because I love her message and, and her story and her vibe. But after, not even after, during the conversation, I was like, oh my gosh, you are amazing. You are a gift. And we are bringing you that conversation. Okay. We've got a real woman, LaToya. She's going to share her personal story with anxiety. Um, she has this really fascinating, bittersweet, painful journey, um, to getting better. And she's so real and so honest and raw and vulnerable and funny. She's so funny. Um, about all of it too. So she's going to share that with us and also talk about why she created an amazing support network for others, maybe you also, who are dealing with anxiety. You don't want to miss it. It's definitely one of my fave chats that I've had on Hot Happy Mess. And stay tuned for more episodes in our wellness series. We're covering mindfulness, horoscopes, astrology, the Enneagram, personality types, all the things. And if there's something you want to hear, slide in my DMs at Zuri Hall or at Hot Happy Mess and let us know, okay? If you're loving what you're hearing, tell a friend. Share this episode. Blast Hot Happy Mess everywhere and tag us on social so we can repost you. And I will talk to you on Monday. Bye. Bye. Tired of endless diets and weight loss struggles? It's time to say goodbye to frustration and hello to results. Introducing Smart Metabolic Burn from BrainMD, your breakthrough solution to fight stubborn body fat. Imagine burning fat, balancing glucose levels, and regulating metabolism in just 12 weeks. This unique two-in-one product combines the power of two clinically studied ingredients in one revolutionary formula, berberine, which targets abdominal fat, and OEA, which curbs your appetite, with just two capsules a day smart metabolic burn by brain md can kickstart your metabolism fight stubborn body fat especially that pesky abdominal fat and support your weight management journey right now save over 30 percent on smart metabolic burn at getsmartburn.com the lowest price anywhere that's getsmartburn.com don't delay transform your life with smart metabolic burn from brain md these statements have not been evaluated by the food and drug administration our products are not intended to diagnose treat cure or prevent any disease. Trinity School of Natural Health can help you be part of the fast-growing health and wellness industry. With an education that empowers communities, Trinity grads can change lives by applying natural health principles and techniques in holistic practices or stores selling nourishing health products. Offering 19 online programs that fit your busy schedule, you'll get training to help turn your passion into a career. Enroll today at trinityschool.org. That's trinityschool.org. Right here, right now. Find your beautiful new floor at Right Rug Flooring. Choose from thousands of in-stock styles ready for next day installation and all backed by the right price guarantee. Visit rightrug.com. That's R-I-T-E-R-U-G.com today to schedule a free in-home estimate or to find a location near you. 24-month financing is available with approved credit. For 90 years, we've been right here, right now. Right Rug Flooring.